This spooky episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Ghost Knife Fish. There's no spookier name on the planet than the Ghost Knife Fish. They have tiny, beady eyes which stare at you as if to say, I've seen into the great beyond. These ethereal creatures are capable of eating the souls of their prey, dragging them to the underworld. Beware of the Ghost Knife Fish. Hello, my fishy friends, and welcome to another episode of Getting Fishy with a Podcast. I'm Josh. Oh, wait a sec. I'm Amber. <laughs> I'm Josh. I'm... <laughs> wait, hang We're on. We're all Josh. We're all Josh today. My name's Kate, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm Amber. I'm Christine. And I'm Josh. And today we're going to be talking about the world's scariest fish. But first, we're going to go round table and everyone's going to talk about how their weeks have been going so far. So, Josh, what about you? I'll go first. Um, so I have been very excited because I bought a little car. We, got, we bought a little used car from a friend. So, yeah, it is a little Nissan Sentra. So it's just like a little sedan like I used to have. And we used it like a lot this weekend. We like visited friends and saw Jess's parents and like just it was great. It was awesome. I mean, you can't really have a car in New York City that easily without paying a ton of money and parking or having to move it four times a week for alternate side, <laughs> <laughs> which is a nightmare. So we decided to leave it at uh, our at my at my parent, at my in-laws house. And that is where the car rem- remains. Um, and we will we will use it more once we move. Oh, I was wondering about that. Yeah, we've just been uh, in your absence. We've just been making fun of you on uh, Discord all weekend. <laughs> I've seen the memes. I've seen them driving Miss Daisy whatever else. Toons is the driving cat. Baby whatever. driver. Yeah, baby driver. <laughs> baby driver. Yeah, so that's, that's it cool. for me. What about you, Christine? Uh, not much new. We went to the Denver Zoo this past like last weekend because they had their first ever members appreciation so i took some videos of all the cool fish and such they had there and i put them on our socials other than that not much new um i finally went and saw their little stingray exhibit i had never actually gone and checked it out before because i'm cheap and i don't want to (laughs) pay but it was free it was free for members this time so went and had a look at it and uh I still am not sure where those rays go in the wintertime because it's like a seasonal exhibit, but um, I'd like to check that out at some point and like find out from them. But other than that, not much. Uh, the month of contractors at the facility is over and Yay. I feel like I can finally sleep again. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty much it for me. How about you, Amber? Uh, not much going on with me. Just, yeah, just kind of like really excited that it's fall now and oh, get is that your to favorite see, holiday yeah so <laughs> get to see all the leaves change and we don't really get like true fall here but it's still better mm. than like living in i feel like california where you don't get anything sorry mm-hmm. californians out there <laughs> <laughs> but yeah just enjoying like the um the weather and whatnot so yeah so you, you don't get true fall do you just get like windy season it's like, a, yeah, it, like it's just like it yeah. gets a little bit cooler Frozen and hell. it's so windy that all the leaves blow off the trees instantly. Is that what happens? Yeah, it's like literally Halloween is when oh. everything just sort of like dies and okay. it gets to like really cold temperatures. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. So like this past weekend we were out and it was like above 80 degrees and I was like, what the f- 
man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it should be, you know, like maybe in the 60s or 70s, but it'll be like that for a little bit and then it'll just go back up to like close to 90s. So that's why I'm just kind of like, yeah, it's not really a true fall because it should be, you know, on the decline, but mm. maybe that's global warming. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's prime leaf peeping season here, but I haven't really gone. I'm from the East Coast, so like I've seen leaves. I get it. <laughs> I just haven't seen the big massive stands of like Aspen in the fall here yet, which whatever. Someone wants to drive me up in the mountains. I'll go look at them, I guess. <laughs> I don't really care all that much. So, but yeah, it's leaf peeping season here. So I guess the mountains are just awash with like people looking at the trees. So hmm. yeah, at least you have mountains. We don't really have anything here. We're just yeah, flat. Yeah. You know, I, re- I'm, I am a plains girly. I love savannas and prairies <laughs> because I'm weird. I love that. So I, that's where I live. I live in the plains. So mm-hmm. I'm just like grasses. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and like i'm sorry america but like the rockies here are they ain't compared to back in canada so oh wow (laughs) there's there's so much more weathering i mean i guess the mountain range is older here i don't know they're just like kind of not as cool throwing more shade than those evergreens am i right (laughs) in the winter (laughs) they're okay but yeah i don't know mountains are they're cool to look at and i know which way i'm going when i'm looking around because you just like it's like three directions is just grass and then one direction is mountains so (laughs) this podcast has been fall with friends we're gonna talk about autumn for the rest (laughs) i thought some people might might pay us for that so (laughs) yes let's go pay us yeah (laughs) So what are we getting into today? World's scariest fish. (laughs) And so for this episode, I'll be leading it. So hopefully you guys don't just like unsubscribe from the podcast because you're like Amber sucks. Oh, brother, this guy stinks. I do have a question. I do have a question for you guys is like Halloween slash like spoopy season, your aesthetic. Do you guys like this kind of stuff? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'll go first. I <laughs> so I was raised uh, pretty Christian, uh, oh, and and uh-oh. Halloween was a time where we <laughs> I famously said we basically like my mom was like, uh, this is about uh, you know, aberration. It's basically about Satan worship, like in her mind. <laughs> sure. So like she was like, so what we do on Halloween every year is we would hide in the house in the back and turn the lights off near the front. So that like no one would come through the door. Trick or treaters would come oh. and knock. So like my only understanding of trick or treaters was like seeing them as we like ran inside like the purge and like could see them like <laughs> coming out of the vans and they're dressed in their little goblin costumes. We'd be like, hurry up. And then we'd be like hiding in the back. Like it would be terror. It would be scary. Like I don't know why. And my parents obviously weren't scared, but like to us, we were like, this sure. is yeah. their satanic worshippers outside. <laughs> So, oh, that is wow. a little extreme. <laughs> needless to say, we did not celebrate. But later on in life, I found it super fun. Not to necessarily dress up in something scary, but I really like dressing up and like making cool costumes and stuff. So I definitely embraced it later on. But yeah, early on, it was definitely a fraught holiday for your boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was. It's a weird, complicated thing for me too because my dad thought that like, and this is not a religious thing at all. My dad just grew up like really, really poor and he did not like the idea of getting things free from other people. And so Whoa. the idea of trick-or-treating and like going with like that little UNICEF box and asking for change was no, you do not do that. Like that's, you are not asking people for handouts. 
So oh, geez. I, yeah, like trick-or-treating meant I had to go visit uh, like someone else, like a friend at school mm-hmm. and like, it's a Halloween party. We're not trick-or-treating. And then we totally go trick-or-treating. So, so awesome. Sorry, dad, but whatever. I don't care. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, how about you, Amber? Dang, I must have had a different perspective from you two because when I was younger, my dad would be like, all righty, kids, we're going to go to the riches near. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Get in the van. We're going yeah. to Springs. I don't know. I was trying to think of a rich name. I was going to say Palm Springs, and I realized that's yeah. where I see a lot of crime in sure. Florida. <laughs> Well, one of the places we used to go to, which I bet it's still there in Nebraska, but it's called Linden Estates. And so Linden similar Estates. to Palm See? Springs. That's yeah. so rich sounding. <laughs> yes. And it was just these people like living in giant mansions and they would hand out like full size candy. So not the oh, stupid rink-a-dink yeah. like, you know, candies that you, you know, people just That you out. just can swallow by the, tr- yeah, by the <laughs> <Yeah>. handful. <laughs> but like actual full size and so that was really fun um a lot of memorable like stuff um from my childhood with halloween but now as a grown-up satan (laughs) yeah we are saying worship (laughs) we love handouts here (laughs) oh yes please give me free things yeah but um now as an adult i'm kind of like we live in cities so we don't really get like trick-or-treaters because we Mm. live in like an apartment but we are having like a halloween party later on with friends so we do like to watch scary movies have a lot of like drinks halloween inspired drinks and like yeah that's cool i the halloween aesthetic is not for me i do not watch scary movies and like i'm not a fan of like the whole spoopy aesthetic so I'll be listening along because we're talking about in the context of fish. So that's great. But yeah, otherwise, mm-hmm. Halloween, not my thing, but it's not a religious reason. It's just, I don't, I'm scared of everything. I don't know. Oh, dang. <laughs> well, as we go through this, the fish might look scary, but they're actually very cool and actually sometimes very nice. So looks can be <laughs> deceiving, everyone. So honey, it may seem impossible. But we'll start off first with anglerfish, which I feel like most of our listeners will probably know what anglerfish are, but now you'll be even more acquainted with them. So anglerfish, um, if you Google them, they have sort of like these large mouths and stomachs with long pointy teeth in order to facilitate capturing and swallowing anything that they find. And I also forgot to mention, so if you've seen Finding Nemo, I'm sure everyone has seen Finding Nemo. Mm-hmm. Everyone should see Finding Nemo. If you Nemo. haven't, pause this podcast right now. Go yep. watch Finding Nemo. <laughs> yep. yeah. But there's a particular scene in that movie where um, like Dory and Marlin are getting chased around by an anglerfish. Um, and so pretty good like uh, visual of that. And so they have this like lure that they use to attract prey. And so the lure is filled with bacteria that make their own light, which mm. I didn't know. I was like, oh, it just like kind of glows. Interesting. Like, yeah, I own. didn't know it was like a, another that, organism. Is that similar? Well, isn't that the same with um, fireflies too? Isn't that a bacteria in there that makes them glow? I don't know. I was almost certain of that. So, but I'm uh, sorry, carry on. I can look it no up. No worries. Too. But this lure is also used to attract mates. So females are very large and they ambush predators with the lures and males are also very small. And so in a previous episode, we kind of talked about the sexual symbiosis that occurs with like anglerfish. And so what the males kind of latch on to the females and they become parasitic, 
So they feed from her blood and then they become little more than a sperm factory. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know which um sexual or reproduction episode that was part one or part two, but it's one of those. Definitely, It's, it's definitely the saltwater one. I think we split it into fresh and saltwater. So it would be the saltwater one. Cool. cool. And but yeah, yeah, that's cool. I want yeah. to correct, by the way, what I said. So it's not bacteria and fireflies. It's luciferase and luciferin. So it's an enzyme, basically. Wow. So. Luciferase. That's appropriate for this episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> Hail Lucifer. All right. Let's go. <laughs> cool. Uh, I did want to mention like one angler fish. I think people don't realize if you've ever had monkfish or goosefish, if you've ever eaten that kind of fish, you see mm-hmm. it sometimes in restaurants. That's an angler fish. I feel like most angler fish look like if you were to give like a five-year-old a pencil and tell them to draw a fish, like that's what it would look like. It's like <laughs> kind of just misshapen. Yeah. You know, like I feel like the angler fish in Fighting Nemo is actually very beautiful. Like it's like a really nice shape. It has a big teeth and eyes. Like it is terrifying yeah. though. I get it. Definitely. Cool. <laughs> and so, and they're also found in the deep sea and can grow up to be a little over a meter long. So that was a little surprising too. Cause I was like, oh, they can get pretty big. Yeah, definitely. That's the biggest one can get to a meter. I think goosefish are up there in size. They get pretty big. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so here's to you, anglerfish. (laughs) Unless you guys had anything else to add to. No, I don't. But they're just freaky fish. Goosefish are terrifying. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. And they often get like there's a graphic that goes around sometimes of the goosefish and someone says that's a tasseled wabagong shark. And it's like, no, it's a goosefish, you idiot. (laughs) With Christine on the message boards, putting people yeah. in their place. Yeah, every time I see that picture, I'm just like, I'm triggered now. I have to correct. Someone is wrong on the internet. I have to God, correct. I, them. I can't wait to go to a zoo. Another. Well, I guess we went to the zoo together before, right? Yeah, that you was... saw me cry at the alligators. I did, but it's like funny. I didn't hear you correct anyone, which is really funny to me. I was, <laughs> I was just like seething inside. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. They, they didn't believe me that I could understand French when we were in Louisiana. So. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> that was pretty funny but yeah moving along to goblin shark which i think Ooh. christine you mentioned this is your favorite i i favorite love shark. the goblin shark he's not my favorite shark but like he the goblin shark takes a lot of slander from people and i'm not gonna stand for it so i'm happy to yeah. slander <laughs> <laughs> just go ahead go Uh-oh. ahead this toothy <laughs> overbiting <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> No, literally, Christine wrote here, everyone, perfect boy who has done nothing wrong. <laughs> done nothing wrong. <laughs> Why? Okay. Are there, like, you know how, because they have, like, that long rostrum nose thing, and then, like, their their mouth kind of protrudes, right? Is it always protruding like that, or is that only when they're eating? That is exactly my point. They oh, does not always do that. That's, like, mm-hmm. so most sharks have, like, a bit of a sling jaw where they can, like, protrude their jaw out to catch things, right? Fish. Yeah, fish, too, right? Yeah, like, lots most... of fish do, Yeah. Um, but the goblin shark just has one that's a little more pronounced, but normally they're, and we never see them alive, right? Or we never see them in a condition that isn't like they're sick because they're normally uh, deep water fish. So okay. the ones that we see, and it's kind of the same with the megamouth shark where like you see them and they're like not having a good day when you see them. So <laughs> they're not yeah. looking their best. No, they're not at their best. And so <laughs> their, their jaw is like more protruded than it normally is at rest. So that's uh, that's why I'm just sticking up for my boy here. Like, I just, he doesn't look as scary as all the pictures. And I did try to find a photo of like a live goblin shark that didn't have its mouth all snaggle toothed out. And I could not find one. So, yeah. So yeah. actually, there's a similar phenomenon with piranhas where like 
they're usually their teeth are covered by lips but like if you see most photos you see like their teeth are just like rah, you're right yeah and it's because they cut the lips away for the photograph usually right mm-hmm. i mean i mostly on you know it's i assume it's on like mostly dead fish right mm-hmm. but they cut it away it's so, like if you see a normal piranha you barely see the teeth at all yeah. all you see is like they just look like they just look like they're just just regular yeah. old fish with big old lips and you have yep. no idea that underneath are all these like gigantic teeth so i yeah. got you i'm with you christine <laughs> thanks thanks yeah <laughs> But yeah, that elongated flat snout that Josh was referring to is called the rostrum. And so the rostrum is covered with special organs that help them locate prey in the low light of their preferred habitat by sensing the electric field created by other fish, which I did not know this. I was like, wow, it's pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I think it's kind of like how the, you know, the hammerhead shark has that like flattened nose rostrum mm. area. And so it's just increasing the surface area where they have like was that the ampullae of Lorenzini? Those are the little sensing pits they have. I think that must be how it works for these guys. It's just out, sticks out instead of the width of the head. So, yeah. there's a number of fish I think that can detect like those electric fields and use it to find prey and stuff. Because I think yeah. the elephant nose fish has like that little projection on the bottom of the chin, which by the way does have a name. I saw. Um, I don't. I'm not gonna be able to pull it up now. But sorry. So back to you, Amber. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. And so. We were also talking about the long and scraggly teeth, which are also visible when the mouth is closed. So I guess, yeah, like Mm. you can still, like you were talking about with the piranha where like they don't normally look like what we see in like photos, but I guess like their teeth are still kind of sticking out. Yeah, they're snag, snaggle tooth like the what is it, sand tiger shark. They kind of have those little hangly teeth that hang out the front. Oh, so. yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, but still looking like a normal shark. Sure. One of the things they're known for is like being able to thrust their jaws three inches out of their mouths to catch prey, which may not seem like a lot. But again, like if you've seen a video of like a goblin shark, like just being able to thrust that forward, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like it's just like swallows basically anything it's trying to catch mm-hmm. but as christine pointed out beautiful boy looks perfectly normal when he's not biting something <laughs> except for the big nose but that's okay we're fine yeah. with that yeah he has got that for a reason yeah mm-hmm. and so these sharks um have been rarely observed or filmed but are believed to be active predators that eat fish such as rat tail fish and dragonfishes as well as squids and crustaceans and they also live in the open ocean near the surface, down to the depths of at least 1,300 meters, and can grow to impressive sizes, with observed specimens reaching lengths up to six meters. Dang. Yeah. They six get pretty meters. big. Yeah, they get pretty Ooh. big. They have a long tail, too. Like, that, the, the cranial aspect, like the top part of their tail sweeps out pretty far. So I don't know if they inc- they're including that in the length, but... I have a question about the goblin shark. Did you guys see the drama? This was shark world, shark drama. <laughs> I'm going like, to already say no. The shark, yeah, because Josh hates sharks. We have to I don't hate them. sharks. Wow, shark hater. Yeah. I'm just shark. I'm shark. But maybe, Amber, shark you ignorant. saw this because there was drama on social media about this. This happened in like the sharkosphere, the science sharkosphere in the last year or so, where there was a paper that got published. I think it was a paper. And it was like an observation of like, we found a baby goblin shark and it wasn't in a place that we would expect. Did you hmm. see that? I don't think so. It, it turns out everyone thinks it was a toy. <laughs> like, wait, like, oh, you no. know how you can buy those like you know kind of realistic looking plastic toys at like museums and zoos and stuff that are made by like Slice or like Collecta or whatever. And they make mm. kinds of like random animals that like aren't super common. 
I think, and people found like pictures of like, this toy was made by this company for X number of years. And it's like a pretty realistic looking like miniature goblin shark. And so this person's just holding it in their hand. They're like, this is a baby goblin shark. And it's like, no, that's a plastic toy. <laughs> oh my God. And, and they published that? Yeah. And it still hasn't been completely disproven, but like everybody that is kind of anybody in the, the shark world seems to be like, this isn't real. This is like not you're this is not a real shark did you find this on the beach and you think it's a real shark or are you just trying to like you know deceive everyone anyway i just yeah. thought that's like the only goblin shark news i've seen in the last like year or so and i thought it was pretty amusing yeah so again just contributes to the fact that like again they're not observed yeah. or filmed like ever yeah. um if yeah maybe once in a while so but yeah here's to you goblin shark cheers <laughs> <laughs> And so on to Gulper Eel. So this is like my favorite mm. like thing that I have ever seen. <laughs> like, I think I first saw the Gulper Eel on one of those like YouTube videos with the Mbari. Mm -hmm. And so when they're going down, they witness like a um, Gulper Eel. And it literally, <laughs> to me, it looks like a freaking Muppet. Like yeah, it, it just like so opens funny. its mouth super wide. But anyways, I'll get into it more. And so the gulper eel is sometimes referred to as the pelican eel. And, you know, if you think of a pelican, you can understand mm. why it's called that. And oh, so the right. most notable attribute is its large mouth, which is larger than its body. So this allows it to open <laughs> wide enough to swallow any animal. And it also has a very long whip-like tail. Um, the pectoral fins are so tiny that they are non-existent, and they also have very small eyes possibly used to detect faint traces of light rather than form images. And so the end of the tail is tipped with a light producing organ known as a photophore, which through bioluminescence can glow pink and give off occasional red flashes. Hmm. And it is believed that the eel uses this as a fishing lure to attract fish and other creatures to its enormous mouth. And so, cool. yeah, just like crazy to think of <laughs> like it's, Nature is like just so metal sometimes. I know, like, right? Yeah. So metal. I, I think that these guys are even more so like if you told a kid to draw a scary fish, they would draw this and it's like a big round head and then like a stick for a tail. And that's yeah. what these guys look like. So it's like hard to believe that it's a real animal. I like, know, just right? Looking at it, I'm like, and I've seen it before and heard of it. And I'm still like, what is happening? <laughs> Are people going to say these were aliens? They're going to be like, know, yeah, right? the aliens were here the whole time. They were just in these like weird bodies <laughs> observing us. Yeah. <laughs> just like flashing. <laughs> yeah. They're like, hello. They're like sending freaking uh, Morse code. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they can also vary in length from one to two meters, which again, to me, that's, that's kind of big for um, an eel. Maybe mm -hmm. not so much. Like I know eels can get pretty big. But yeah, like that's pretty long. I wonder what the m max size like thing it can eat because the mouth is like gigantic. Like it's got to be the biggest mouth to like, like size, like, you know, like diameter ratio oh, of yeah. body that I've ever seen. I think it's probably got the records. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That would definitely be something like cool to look up to see how much can it fit in its mouth. Is it like a snake? Like where it can just, you know, mm. like just take in like anything basically it can yeah. swallow. And like this, the funny thing is with this, so many things in the fish world are referred to as eels that aren't eels at all. Mm -hmm. uh, these are a true eel. They're just the weirdest. Oh, they're the weirdest yeah. eel for sure. Like eels are weird. These are really weird. Yeah. What makes them an eel? 
Like what make what's is there a characteristic that makes efficient yield? They're like, in the order anguilliforms. I don't that's know. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. And they're also found in all the world's tropical and temperate oceans at depths ranging from 150 to 1800 meters. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Deep, deep creepies. Yeah. And I try to keep everything in meters because, yeah, Christine, you're probably going to give a sh about this. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> us with our feet and in inches, it's just not going to cut it. <laughs> but here's to you, Gulper Eel. Love you gulp oh yeah your favorite <laughs> i don't think the feeling is mutual though <laughs> yeah. at, at best i think they're indifferent to us yeah, they, right. they might not even know that we exist but we know they exist Ooh, yeah. i'm looking for, i like the next one that's this one might be my favorite <laughs> so for the next one we have the giant paku paku i think it's i usually say pak Peku? What? Peku, pa right? I've always said Paku. I've never heard it said, so someone will correct us. It's one of those. I yeah. always thought it was Paku. We've got two choice, 50-50. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, like Pac-Man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the giant Paku can grow to impressive sizes. And when I saw this, I was like, holy crap. Mm. But they're known to reach lengths of up to three feet. Oh, there's the feet. Um, so uh, that's one okay. meter <laughs> and weigh over 55 pounds or 25 kilograms. However, they typically grow to smaller sizes in captivity, which makes sense. Yeah. People buy them for pets. You can buy them oh, at a yeah. pet store. And like, then they end up at zoos and aquariums because people are like, they get how big? So well, yeah. as we've learned in our invasive species episode, or they're like, be free. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I did post a picture of one of these, but I'll post it again um, yeah, of one of these guys at like Miami, the zoo in Miami. So they had a really beautiful exhibit with them in it. Yeah. And so giant Paku have a similar body shape to piranhas with a more robust appearance. So they have powerful jaws and teeth adapted for crushing hard shelled fruits and seeds. Giant Paku are also omnivores. And oh. have a diverse diet. So in natural habitat, they consume a variety of foods, including like fruits, nuts, seeds, vegetations, and also small aquatic animals. And leading to their nickname as vegetarian piranhas. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, so in funny. the hobby, I think sometimes people don't know the difference because they do look very similar. They have they like look that sort almost of like identical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like, but yeah, these ones are like very gentle, basically. And they get much bigger than piranhas. So like, yeah. I've seen them huge in the hobby. Like I've seen them in pretty huge tanks and they just get, they just get massive. And like, they're just like these big, there's this is big chill dudes i don't know if they get crazy enough like some of the you know piranhas and stuff or they would like jump right out of the tank like certain big fish can just get right out of the tank so easily these ones might be too large mass wise but they're yeah they're cool i love that i don't know maybe i'll get a i'll get them someday <laughs> i think the Aww. reason why people get freaked out by them though is because their teeth are weird they look like when you see pictures of them it looks like human teeth like people oh. will catch these and that's why I, like i suggested this animal on the list was because because they're invasive people catch them in like ponds or whatever and then they pull this fish up and they're like what the hell this has people teeth it does <laughs> yeah oh my god <laughs> their teeth do incredible. look like like a child's teeth or something <laughs> and so it that's how it ends up in the news like people will catch one and then they'll be like the news will be like, oh, a fish was caught with people teeth. That's crazy. <laughs> in like this river in Florida. And it's like, yeah, it's just a peku or paku, paku, whatever. Paku. Tamb tambaki. 
<laughs> there you go. I like literally never heard that, but that's crazy to me. Yeah, wow. it's the teeth that, that scares people. Google. Yeah, yeah. I guess they're basically all like little like molars for crushing, right? Yeah, like, exactly. They are eating a lot of like mm -hmm. seeds and fruits and things that fall in. But that's the freaky yeah. thing about these guys. They're they're perfectly fine otherwise. They just got real freaky ass teeth. Yeah, but their so teeth are fun. cleaner than most people. So it's true. <laughs> that, they they, they don't do need a cleaning. Floss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only fish that flosses in what in the wild. Amazing. <laughs> Four out of five dentists recommend Pacus. <laughs> <laughs> but giant Paku are also native to the Amazon River basin and are found in slow moving rivers, uh, tributaries, and flooded forest areas. They prefer calm waters with ample vegetation and submerged structures. And then they also hold cultural and economic importance in South American regions where they are harvested for food. They are part mm. of the traditional diet of local communities are not often featured in regional dishes. So at least they have a purpose. Yeah, I guess they get so big, they'd be really good for eating, right? Yeah, there's a lot of flesh so on them for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. You could feed, you know, people for days on that. Yeah. Chubby Paku <laughs> with his human teeth. Yeah, then you can take the teeth out and use yeah, them if you need yeah. replacements. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's also a set of dentures. You got one free set of dentures with each Paku. You know, that's the thing that always that always like drove me nuts in video games when you kill like you kill like, you know, you like like you like kill some animal or something in a, like a video game and then like it's like a uh, like a panther and it drops like a, a shovel or something and you're like, "What? What?" What's happening here? <laughs> it bugs me more when it's like I kill a panther and like I need 15 panther skulls, but somehow most of these panthers don't have skulls. Yeah, they don't drop right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, I should have gotten four paws, but I only yeah. got one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Makes no sense. Yeah. It's freaking video game logic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, here's to giant Paku Pak. Every word of what you just said was wrong. No. Paku. <laughs> yes. Paku. That's I think that's probably fine. We'll go with that. Sure. Someone will correct us at some point. <laughs> so now on to vampire fish. Ooh. And so I guess the first one or the only one that actually correlates with Halloween, with our Halloween episode, but there's that. And so the vampire fish are famous for their impressive fangs, which are exceptionally long and sharp. The fangs can grow up to six inches in length. They are used for grasping and impaling prey. Oh, and they nailing. also have a streamlined body with uh, silver to silver blue scales. Their overall appearance is sleek and streamlined, allowing them to move swiftly through the water. And into our nightmares. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> so this is just a lamprey, right? Is that what a vampire fish is? No. It's there's, it's, it's, it's not. Look up a vampire fish. What? It's different. Yeah, that, that was that was a communication that we actually had where Amber wasn't sure which vampire fish I meant. And it's also known as um like the Kandiru is also called the vampire fish. Oh what? Yeah. yeah. Oh I see. So the vampire fish is this is this one with the giant it looks like a huge like sort of like a bluefish like thing. Yeah, like it's big teeth. The payara is the like regional name for payara. it. Payara. Whoa, yeah. look at the teeth on that thing. That's that's why they're That's the point. Fish. That's why we were saying that. I'm sorry. I mean <laughs> No, you're fine. Just, you're all good. No worries. I was like looking at <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No worries. When I first saw this, I thought that Christine was referring to sea lampreys, which I'm like, we already talked about this. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But <laughs> did you say it rude like that? <laughs> yeah. No. We already talked about it. She typed it very rudely. I was in All a Kroger, I was in a Kroger parking lot when I was responding. So 
<laughs> but yeah, apparently there's just like a lot of different species that are like named vampire fish, which is kind of funny. But this mm. one does actually look like vampire fish. I mean, those two front teeth oh also God, in the front are just crazy. But these fish can grow quite large. Adult vampire fish can reach lengths of up to three feet, so about one meter, and weigh over 20 pounds or nine kilograms. Mm, so pretty fish. hefty fish yeah. big for freshwater especially so yeah. yeah and they are native to the amazon and orinoco river basins in south america they prefer the fast-moving waters of rapids and strong currents and are found in rocky areas mm. yeah they're cool fish definitely yeah i like how you gave me a thumbs up for the <laughs> how i pronounce that basin <laughs> Yeah, I just like Orinoco crocodiles. That's why I know how to pronounce that song. Oh, I see. Also, there's that Enya song, Orinoco Flow, or something, right? I definitely don't know what you're talking about. Oh, no, I'm so old. I'm so old. <laughs> wow, that was a great song. Yeah. <laughs> Loved it. That was but... amazing. <laughs> but here's to you, vampire fish. Now on to the Goliath tigerfish, which I also found very interesting. And I actually, I don't know if you guys have watched the show, but I'm going to talk about it at the end. So the <laughs> Goliath tigerfish is a large and heavily built fish with the largest specimens reaching a length of six feet and a hundred pounds in weight. Oh, <laughs> another Monster. massive freshwater fish for sure. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Monster fish. <laughs> Hang on to that. So yeah, these fish true. have, yeah, <laughs> these fish have crocodile-like teeth, specifically evolved to tear chunks out of meat out of other fish, and they also have a double-hinged jaw, which allows them to open their jaws a lot wider. They are found predominantly in the Congo River Basin in Lake Tanganyika. Tang yeah, Tanganyika, Tanganyika. Yep. Wow, that's crazy. So yeah, yeah we talked about them because that's one of the rift lakes. That's where like a lot of African cichlids live. But it's crazy that these live there too. So it's probably like eating all of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> eating all of them to extinction. Terrifying. <laughs> but these are endemic, right? Like mm -hmm. they are. Yeah. Found... Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. And the thing yeah. that eats them is Nile crocodiles. So. And maybe humans. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> don't have Nile croc. Okay. Cool. Yeah, but I found this one like interesting because I don't know if you guys have ever watched River Monsters. Finally, after perhaps the most punishing battle I have ever had, I land one of the biggest, strongest, and most alien freshwater fish I've ever seen. I watched like a lot of that when I was younger. <laughs> uh, and so Jeremy Wade, who was the host of River Monsters, traveled to the Congo to catch the monster fish after hearing about a report of a young girl that was bitten in half. What by one was it things. real that yeah. report? Did you, yeah, really? I think so. Well, I don't know, bitten in half. That might be an exaggeration, but there were definitely other reports too of like other people getting like bit as well or like killed oh by God. these things. So hmm. they're definitely not something to play around with. Sure. Yeah. I get it. They're huge and their teeth are gigantic. Like yeah, I yeah. I've never like I never really watched River Monsters because it made me kind of mad. I feel like he was kind of lying or sensationalizing stuff. It's like that. It's definitely sensationalized. He's not as bad as that Coyote Peterson guy, but Coyote Peterson makes me real big mad. So I don't know who that is. <laughs> don't look him up. He's a bad. All he wants to do is just get bit or harassed by animals and like he harasses them to get them to get oh no yeah uh, i think i might have seen this guy yeah like 
Uh, anyway, hopefully we don't lose any followers me mentioning this guy, but I don't know. I never, I think I only caught clips of River Monster because I'd be like, that's wrong. <laughs> I would get my, <laughs> and my, and Mark would be like, we're watching something else now. There's a, so. Yeah, there's a picture of him holding a piranha and like holding up his bloody finger. Like he just like, did he just hold a piranha, piranha to his finger and like let it bite him? You're talking about that like, Coyote Peterson guy? Yeah. Yeah. He's also, there's also a picture of him when you search vampire fish, you'll find a picture of him with a lamprey hanging off his neck. Oh, uh, so you were upset about that, that he's. Oh, I'm up. just, I'm just upset about everything with him. He makes me mad. <laughs> yeah, that's not, bad. yeah, it's like, this is not the 90s and we're not like harassing animals for clickbait, you know? He's this guy. Wow. Yeah, not cool. Not <laughs> yeah. cool. But also do your research because yeah, lampreys are not vampire fish let's go coyote yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure <laughs> but we like jeremy wade right i don't cool. know i'm not sure but yeah i think at least like with him he tries to like educate people because usually it's like oh this like you know sensationalized like event that happened and then it turns out to be just a fish like living mm-hmm. its life <laughs> and so people not understanding or like, especially, um, like, culturally, I guess, just, like, understanding, like, how, you know, different cultures, like, they view, like, these animals. So that's, like, really cool. But, yeah. yeah. So if you're interested, that episode is called Demon Fish. And you can probably find it somewhere, honestly. <laughs> but here's to you, Goliath Tigerfish. And so now on to Dragonfish. Dragonfish. I feel like the How to Train Your Dragon song comes into my brain when I hear the word dragon. So I seriously like feel like there is some music, like the football music, where I'm like, I want to go to war right now. Like, I don't know what happens. There's like something deep within me. It's like, I need to go to war. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Did you guys have an album called Jock Jams here where it would be all the yes. sports music? OK, I wasn't sure if that was like just back home or not. So. <laughs> No, we definitely have that here. Okay. Okay. And so with dragonfish, like when I first looked at these, so like how we talked about like eels just now and like anglerfish, just put those two together and you get a dragonfish basically. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so again, something that was probably drawn by a kid came to fruition, but (laughs) (laughs) these fish have extremely large teeth compared to their body size, only measure about 15 centimeters in length. And yeah. they also produce their own light through bioluminescence. The light is produced through an organ known as a photophore. And they also have a large protrusion known as a barbel attached to their chin. So the barbel Ooh. is tipped with the light producing photophore. And this is believed to attract prey and potential mates. Oh, yeah. We just talked about zebrafish barbels like yesterday or something, right? Yeah, it oh, was yeah. The, the, the fish Sunday fish sketch theme was right. fish with whiskers so these guys definitely count definitely cool. yeah and so dragonfishes exhibit sexual dimorphism uh so similar to i think when we were talking about the anglerfish so the males and females look different for those of you that don't know and so males are typically smaller and have specialized photophores for attracting females and the hmm. females are usually larger and have a unique barbell structure on their chin used for prey capture Hmm. Ooh! shout out to our short kings the males are smaller love it <laughs> yeah <laughs> females are larger it's short king season let's be real 2023 <laughs> is short king season <laughs> shout out to all you short king listeners hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly dragonfishes inhabit some of the deepest parts of the ocean often found at depths ranging from 200 meters 
to over 2,000 meters. These extreme depths have limited light penetration, making bioluminescence crucial for their survival. Do you guys find the deep sea creepier than the, the, than the space? Than space? Or <laughs> what do you think is like, what would you, if you had to pick one, where would you go? Like, oh, like well, that if depends. You, if you had to pick, like, you were in a vessel that was appropriate for that trip. Um, oh, so not like the submersible. <laughs> no, but like what's scarier to you? Like, cause I, another podcast I was listening to was just talking about this where like they were talking about a deep sea movie and mm-hmm. um, they were talking about how they all felt that like going deep in the ocean is scarier than going up into space. I'd say that's probably true for me. I yeah. think the deep sea is way more claustrophobic. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like you just yeah. have this, everything is trying to crush you constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and I just saw Meg too yesterday, which <laughs> it's probably gonna make you mad, Christine, because <laughs> there was just a bunch of unrealistic. Sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> how many? How many gill slits did this shark have? Twenty five. Because like maybe the previous more. one was like twelve, and it's like they have five, maybe seven or six, but like sharks have five gill slits. Get it together, people. This is all <laughs> gill slits, like just the whole entire body. The whole body. Yeah, that slits. sounds about right. <laughs> and then the next one is going to be even more, and then it's just they're just getting attacked by gill slits in the future. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, after watching that, I was like, who the hell? would want to go in the water like after that because you know they're all at really low depths like they're just like it's and you know you have this one scene where someone gets like crushed because of the pressure yeah and I'm just like I'm sure it would be the same in space but you just have things down there like we don't really know like yeah they're if they're like you know good or bad or whatever like they're supposed to be like giant squids down there too so yeah Yeah. makes me rethink that scuba diving certification (laughs) y'all i mean it would be very interesting to go down like if i knew 100 percent that i would survive because it'd be really cool to see like it's just such a mystery down there you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. yeah and i don't think i mean space is cool too but it's i don't know to me it's less of a mystery except for the fact that like space is so far like you know what i mean like you you have more discoverables close by when you go down under like in the water versus like in space where it's like well you got so far outside of the atmosphere and it's like what can you really see it's true i think i'll just stay here i don't want to do either (laughs) that's a cop out (laughs) yeah exactly i'm I'm a wimp so (laughs) once i make my first billion i'm going to space so you guys can come along no i'll stay here i'll just i'll be comms i'll do comms from the ground (laughs) yeah and so unless there's anything else to add here's to you dragonfish Woo. Cool. Yeah. Next up, we have a wolf eel. So despite its name, the wolf eel is not a true eel. Mm-hmm. So it's a species of fish belonging to the family. I'm not going to say that. Yeah, I'm not even <laughs> sure. I'm not even entirely. It's anorichthyus. Anorichthyus? I'm not sure. They just look like granddads. I think these fish look like granddad. Yeah, not, they, do. they do. Not that my granddad looks like this, but like it just reminds me of an old grandpa. <laughs> so when I was young, I used to watch this video VHS over and over and over again called Secrets of the Ocean Realm. I think I maybe mentioned it on a previous podcast, but um, there is one part of the movie where they find a wolf eel and it comes out and like the guy, the diver just like scratches it like a puppy and it just like mm-hmm. rotates around and it's like loves it. And I just don't I don't even understand how that interaction happened. But uh, yeah, it was very friendly to humans. Yeah. So I have like 
colleagues that have worked with them in aquariums, because it's not uncommon to see them in aquariums. Um, they're very friendly and they're like, yeah, well, I think you have it in here. They mate for life. They're like, they have like very friendly relationships with like their mating partner basically. But they're like, mm. they love scratches. They love like just being friendly with people, which is weird. Cause they don't look like that. They just look like a squishy old person. Yeah. I feel like the inside doesn't match with the outside. Exactly. It's really sad for, mm. for it. That's a good lesson <laughs> for humanity. Don't people the see outside. them. Yeah. People see them at the aquarium and they're like, ew. And it's like, no, they're like the sweetest animals here. <laughs> and you see yeah. a tiny freshwater tear come out of his eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and so wolfies have elongated bodies, uh, so as we were just like talking about it, covered in tough, leathery skin. They lack scales, and their skin can be various yeah. shades of brown, orange, or green. Their heads are large and powerful, with strong jaws filled with sharp teeth. And so these fish are typically found in rocky reef environments, often in deep waters ranging from 10 to 60 meters. They are known to inhabit caves and crevices among underwater rock formations. I think that's where I saw them like finding it and like hanging out. So not not crazy, not crazy deep, right? But deepish, I guess. They're still light. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Lastly, wolf eels are known for forming monogamous pairs that share and defend a specific territory within a crevice or den. These pairs remain together for several years and often return to the same den after foraging. Aww. I know. That's so cute. So like, sweet. Yeah. Whenever I see that there's an animal that's like, oh, forming monogamous pairs, I'm just like, that's amazing. <laughs> 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 Not just humans. <laughs> <laughs> and then one final thing, wolf eels also have a distinctive method of reproduction. They lay large pale colored eggs in their den or crevice and the male guards and cares for them. The male aerates the eggs by gently fanning them with his pectoral fins until they hatch. What a sweetie. I know. In these guys, the males are a, a fair bit bigger than the females. So Okay. Cool. Wow. They're pretty yeah. cool. I like it's them. what's on the inside that counts, y'all. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's not that bad to look like a grandpa, so... <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm going to look like that one day, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it won't be that slimy, though. <laughs> hopefully not. They're, I'm pretty, sure a gul- they're pretty slimy. <laughs> Maybe oh. a gulper eel will take me before then. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, looks are deceiving. They are actually sweethearts. Here's to you, wolf eel. <laughs> so now on to ghost sharks, which I've seen these at Shadow Aquarium. I don't think you're saying it right. It's ghost sharks. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so ghost sharks belong to an ancient lineage of cartilaginous fish that predates the evolution of modern sharks and rays. They are considered living Ooh. fossils. And so yeah, these fish- They're chimeras, oh. right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know there's like different names too, like ratfish and things like that. But yeah, yeah they're basically okay. those chimeras that you see mm-hmm. in aquariums. So these fish have distinctive appearance with a long slender body, large pectoral fins that resemble wings and a retractable spine on their dorsal fin. Some species have a rat-like tail, which gives them the nickname ratfish. And so many ghost shark species have specialized organs in their heads that produce bioluminescent light. And they use this light for communication, camouflage, and attracting prey in the dark depths of the ocean. And these guys are primarily found in deep sea environments, 
often at depths exceeding 2,000 meters. They inhabit the abyssal plains and continental slopes of the world's oceans. Didn't you say that they, I feel like there was another species that eats these, right? Was it the goblin shark? Yeah. Goblin shark. Oh, yeah. Goblin shark. They probably eat chimeras. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Chimeras also like, because there's a whole bunch of different looking like ghost sharks. And they all kind of look like, again, if a child was asked to draw a shark, maybe. (laughs) Or like like a ghost shark. Or if you asked an alien to draw a shark and they would be like, this is what a shark looks like. Hello, fellow humans. (laughs) (laughs) They're like a proto shark. I have drawn a shark. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And some of them have a weird like nose shape too. Yeah. Yeah, It's really funny. Like it almost gives them like a Dumbo looking like kind of no shape so mm-hmm. yeah but yeah like they have these at shed um and then other places too as part of like their deep sea exhibits and they're just like they literally just glide through the water like it's so peaceful like i'm mm. just like wow i wish i was a ghost shark <laughs> <laughs> yeah it looks like they have a good life but yeah and then they also have a distinctive method of reproduction and they lay eggs encased in a leathery capsule that resembles a small purse or pouch. Um, I know we've talked about like mermaid purses mm. like mm-hmm. for sharks and so similar to that. And these egg cases are often found attached to the seafloor. I think it's not uncommon if you do see these animals at an aquarium, you probably will see the odd egg case kicking around too. They breed pretty readily. So I don't know oh, how awesome. easy it is to raise the eggs, but I like I think every time I've seen like ratfish they always have like they're spurting out eggs all the time (laughs) that's a good visual sorry (laughs) (laughs) that's a good amount of fish that do that i guess right as we've learned (laughs) but yeah so here's to you ghost shark (laughs) next on to hagfish so i feel like we've talked about this in previous episodes or at least like had a story about like a car covered and just like the stuff that hagfish like yeah the slime yeah uh, we yeah. did talk about it at some point, or maybe we were just like shooting the sh- at some point. Yeah. We're talking about it. The slime <laughs> is pretty crazy. That's kind of what they're known for. But yeah, so hagfishes are among the most primitive of all living jawless fish. Mm. They're considered living fossils because their lineage dates back to over 300 million years, making them one of the oldest known vertebrates. <laughs> I can't believe this. This is the one that made it that far. <laughs> <laughs> It's because they were down the, so deep, no one noticed. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> Hagfishes have a simple primitive brain structure compared to more advanced vertebrates. Wow, that's kind of sad. They'd be mad if they could speak English. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah they sure. would. Yeah, primitive. <laughs> Their brain is often studied as a model for understanding the evolution of the vertebrate brain. So yeah, makes sense. They look like a worm. I forgot. I just forgot what they looked like. I remember they were kind of worm-like, but I had to like look it up to be like, oh yeah, they look so wormy. They'll tie themselves in knots too to like, because they don't have any way to real grip on anything. So mm-hmm. They like attach with their mouth and they like tie themselves up in knots to like be able to tug at stuff. Yeah. Ugh. They're kind of gross. Probably like a lamprey and a catfish like put together because they have these like weird whisker things too. Or maybe mm-hmm. I'm like, or threads coming out of their like heads. Mm-hmm. So... But hagfishes have elongated eel-like bodies that lack scales. They come in various colors, including pink, gray, and black, depending on the species. And unlike most fish, hagfishes do not have jaws. Instead, they have a toothed rasping tongue called a radula, 
that oh, they used Radula. to spray. Oh, yeah. yeah. Radula. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is like, there's a lot, a lot of random animals have that, right? Like mm -hmm. snails have it. I was going to say, do I can't remember if cephalopods have it. I don't remember. I feel like they do, but keep okay. talking. Sorry. I'll stop interrupting you. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> they use this radula to scrape flesh from their prey. Oh, uh, which sounds kind of horrible. Mm. Yeah, well, because it's like, do you know, have you seen like what it looks like? Radula? No, I haven't. It's like a tongue with teeth. Mm -hmm. It's like oh, a tongue okay. with teeth all over it. So like, I mean, when you see like snails and they're like eating algae, they're just like have this little tiny radula just like scraping off your fish tank or whatever. They're just like, it's just like <laughs> kind of like rotating through, like taking all the algae off. Um, but yeah, and I'm pretty sure that they, it says most cephalopods do possess a radula. Yeah, so because yes. they're all mollusks, right? So they all mm -hmm. kind of have that same body plan. At, yeah. Oh, shoot. I, yeah, it's, I guess you're right. It's just like, they're so different. Like they are mollusks, sure. but like how similar do they really look and act? Like very <laughs> I know, similar. I know, right? <laughs> this is not a mollusk podcast. That's a separate thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to go to uh, getting mollusk, getting mollusk with it. Getting snail, getting snaily with it. <laughs> and so one of the most distinctive features of hagfishes is their ability to produce copious amounts of slime when threatened. They Gross. secrete a protein-based slime from glands along their body, which rapidly expands when it comes into contact with the water, creating a <laughs> sticky, gooey substance. Imagine if you went to go eat a gummy worm and it just turned into like an entire cup of slime in your oh. mouth. <laughs> and it's the like, slime no. smelled really bad because this slime stinks. I have smelled it. Oh, it's that's crazy. Stanky. Oh, <laughs> wow. These guys, you know, they really no wonder why they live so long. Like who would want to eat them? Does anything eat them? <laughs> I don't know. I don't I think they have a pretty good defense mechanism. So I don't know that they actually get eaten by much. Yeah, because I also wrote down that it can clog the gills of would-be predators, making it difficult for them to breathe. So imagine you're just like choking, like as you're trying to eat this hatfish. You're choking on stank slime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not getting much out of that. So in the www.thewhaletimes.org, I don't know if this is like a legit way. It sounds like says, whale propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> it says hagfish are a popular food item for sea lions, seals, dolphins, porpoises octopus and people i don't know that's hmm. just what it says interesting <laughs> apparently well here's to you hagfish probably one of my least favorite fish on this list oh i just I'm found a picture of barbecued hagfish <laughs> <laughs> you mean with like barbecue sauce like literally on a grill and yes barbecue sauce on them oh my god it's uh, and hagfish the world's scariest food so that fits. That fits. Yeah, that fits. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> Interesting. Cool. Well, learned something new. Yeah. So here's to you, hagfish. Now on to stonefish. Stonefishes have 13 dorsal spines equipped with venom glands. These spines can inject potent venom when the fish is threatened, making them one of the most venomous fish species known. And so the venom produced by stonefishes is a neurotoxin, which means it affects the nervous system. So this can cause intense pain, swelling, tissue necrosis, paralysis, and in severe cases, even death if not treated promptly. And so stonefishes use their venomous spines for defense. When threatened, they erect their dorsal spines, making them more dangerous to potential predators. And they can also puncture the skin of predators or unwary humans who step on them. 
It's true. I think um, didn't Attenborough talk about this in an earlier episode? <laughs> yes, he sure did. Our, he our special did. guest, uh, <laughs> David Attenborough. That is, I will say, this is the one thing that does kind of freak me out a little bit when I'm walking around, like in the ocean, like yeah. on the beach and stuff. I'm a little like, I always think about it, like, what if this next step is going to be the one where I step on a stonefish and I get spiked in the foot? Or, but, or yeah, stingray barb. That's why you shuffle your feet when you're in the water or don't put your feet on the ground. I do. Yeah. yeah. I just kind of shuffle, like I just shuffle along, mm-hmm. but that's what you should do, you know? Yeah. And of course I searched stonefish, uh, just to get a couple of pictures. And the very first video that came up is coyote Peterson stung by a stonefish. Of course. I'm sure he was like, you know, kicking his feet all over the place. Stomping everywhere <laughs> in a tank full of stonefish, probably. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. That's really hilarious. <laughs> coyote Peterson. Did he just steal the Bear Grylls thing? Like, did he just take, like, it has to be an animal in my last name and, like, stick it together? And he was just like, I well, now so. I'm Coyote Peterson. I like, I could so. just be, like, Salmon Barber <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Probably. I doubt that's his real name. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I have to be, like, Salmon Montague or something cool. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, his name is Nathaniel Peterson. Thank you very much. <laughs> But if stung by a stonefish, obviously seek immediate medical attention. The area should be soaked in hot water to help activate the venom while seeking uh, medical assistance. And they are also masters of camouflage and often resemble stones or pieces of coral, making them nearly invisible to predators and prey like. Their colorations and skin texture mimic their surroundings. Mm. And they're primarily found in the tropical and subtropical waters of the Indo-Pacific region including the waters of the Indian Ocean and Western Pacific Ocean, and are known to inhabit coral reefs, rocky coastlines, and sandy seabeds. Yeah, they're definitely like, if you ever go to Australia, that's something you need to be very mindful of if you're going like mm. into the ocean in Australia, because stonefish are not to be messed with. You'd think know. they wouldn't have to like blend in and mimic their surroundings, because <laughs> they're stonefish. They have a spine. They could just be like, I'm here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just I just jerks like that. It. <laughs> do, does it does it do any damage to them if you step on that like i mean obviously if you could crush them but like is it is there any downside to them envenomating you or anything or not really it's not like a bee no i don't think so i think they just they have like a, a pretty strong spine up there so okay huh yeah yeah these are like i don't know why you would evolve to do this again like you could just be like i feel like they're very similar to lionfish Except mm-hmm. lionfish are like, I know what I am. Like they're in the me. same, they're in the same family. Actually. They're they're <laughs> oh, in the yeah. larger group of scorpion fish. So okay. stone, you got stonefish over here, and then you got like on the other side, you got the lionfish and their relatives. So they yes. do look very similar. It's just like, yeah, lionfish are showing those display colors, like warning kind of, right? Yeah. And these guys are like, don't find me. Yeah. And yeah. I think in places like Australia, they actually do have anti-venom for these guys potentially. Oh, um, good. But like, yeah, they can absolutely kill you if you're not careful. Dang. And they're pretty big too. Yeah. There, there's a huge number of species of them though, I think. So like oh. I got a picture of a stonefish and I'll post it on our socials that was like lives. It's a reef dwelling stonefish and they're bright pink. Oh, oh wow. And because they blend in with the, the reef area. So they're, yeah. they're kind of cool. I think I saw one at New England Aquarium when they had that exhibit up. So cool. It- it's so crazy to see fish that are specialized to look like something that's like a really random color. You know what I mean? Like really pink or really purple or whatever. Like 
it's not what you'd consider like the natural brown and green hues of like nature. So it's just really interesting to me. Like the whole thing with seahorses is nuts. Like how many seahorses like evolved to look exactly like the coral that they live on. <laughs> Have you seen that? Like there's a bunch of different kinds of pygmy. They just look so similar. So yeah. sorry, I don't want to digress anymore for the sake of time, but it's really interesting. So yeah. And here's to you, stonefish, even though you could have evolved better, I guess. Could have done a better job. <laughs> evolved <stonefish>. better, everybody. <laughs> Screw you, stonefish. <laughs> and now last but not least, our favorite. Yay. Piranhas. Ooh. Yeah. And so piranhas belong to the family Caracidae. No. I think that's Caracidae. Not Caracidae. Yeah. Is yeah, that Tetras, good. right? Isn't that They're just Tetras. Tetras? They're just Tetras. Tetras. They're just okay. Tetras. Which are like, I mean, in the hobby, it's funny because Tetras, for the most part, not all of them, there's a few that are, are that are aggressive, but like most Tetras are like kind community fish. You know what I mean? They're like the gentlest of fish. And then you have piranhas. <laughs> Gentle and or terrified. They're just like ah, all the time. Like, <laughs> oh God, let's stick together in a school because I'm so scared <laughs> by myself. And let's be honest, piranhas are the same. <laughs> they are. They're they just a are. bunch of big scared babies. They're, they are terrified. Mine were. Really? That's yeah, crazy. I had like... some, they would always be scared. When you told me that, I was like thinking, you know, like Piranha 3D, like movies like that, where it's <laughs> sure. like there's just like these, like, you know, carnivorous like fish that just come like and attack people. And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, it's like that, you know. So whenever I see like pir actual piranhas and they're just like chilling. You know? you know what it's like? It would be like, it's like if you're, if you're in like a group at a conference and you see there's like a table that has like some really good goodies, but you don't want to be the first one to grab it. It's like someone kind of walks over the table. They might walk back <laughs> and then before you know, someone grabs one. And then once people see one, one person grab one, then they are like, okay, it's safe. And they start grabbing them. And before you know it, they're all gone. That's what, that's a piranha. <laughs> wow. That is a great description, Josh. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, yes, at the conference next uh, this month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't like being the first one to do anything. So I'll be a trendsetter <laughs> when it comes to food because I don't want to like miss out. Okay, yeah. I'm like you know us all us poor ass vet techs. Let's go get some free food. Heck yeah, stampede. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's like say hi to people, uh, I'm not. Mm -mm. Like, no, yeah. thank you. I'll just We're go have home. Josh for that. Yeah. I'll, I'll Josh, go say hi. And you'll see Amber. Josh knows everyone, <laughs> and he's going to be too busy to hang out. <laughs> he's, he knows every. He knows a lot of people, so. <laughs> I have to make time for my for my besties. Yeah. So you guys are my besties, obviously. But Aww. I will I will I will try to make the rounds. I gotta make sure I say hi to everyone, you know, a little bit politician. Yeah. <laughs> Fishy politician. <laughs> Politician? Does that work? Yeah, there you go. I mean, you are the president. That's true. That's true. And Not you're the long. coolest guy in lab animal science. So. <laughs> I'm also the coolest guy. <laughs> oh yeah, Literally I didn't on mention the, cover the cartoon. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and so piranhas are characterized by their sharp interlocking teeth that are adapted for puncturing and shearing flesh. Uh -huh. They have a powerful bite <laughs> and strong muscles, allowing them to tear apart prey quickly. And then, as you guys mentioned before, many piranha species are known to form shawls or schools. Group hunting allows them to cooperate in overwhelming prey and efficiently consuming it. Mm. And they also inhabit freshwater environments, including rivers, lakes, and tributaries throughout South America. They are most commonly found in slow-moving or still waters with ample vegetation hiding places. 
And lastly, piranhas have been the subject of numerous myths and legends, as I pointed out, (laughs) often portraying them as ravenous and dangerous to humans. While piranha attacks on humans are rare, they can occur in certain situations, especially when the fish are agitated or feel threatened. For sure. I think I always see them as like a scared little fish, but in the pet trade, and I'm sure it's the same for you, Josh, like most Mm. of the fish, most of the piranhas that we end up with are like babies. Uh, yes. Yeah, they're little wee ones. They're, babies. they're so cute. They're like little silver dollars. Yeah, oh, they're really? tiny. And they wow. get like a foot long. Piranhas can get yeah. like a foot or more, I think. So um... so the thing that I didn't like about my red bellies was like, I had red bellies and another time I had yellow belly piranhas. And like, the problem is, is like, if you're just not careful about how much you feed them and you just like, you know, you, sometimes you can't like most fish is like you just feed them every day or every other day. But sometimes they would just be like, we're going to eat our friend yep. today. <laughs> No. And so then, like, I would just wake up and I'd be like, there would be like a, just a half eaten piranha. So I started with like seven and I ended with like three because over time they would just randomly do it. Like, it wasn't like I was starving them at all. So it was very frustrating. I, I like was done after a while having them. <laughs> I think part of it too, and I'm maybe this is this is possibly just anecdotal, but they are because they're like a Cherokee or whatever, they're in that family. Mm-hmm. Those fish are exceptionally good at making stress uh like hormone or whatever that ends up in the water (laughs) and because they get easily stressed unless you've got the proper like filtration to deal with it they're basically swimming around in their own stress hormone and it causes them to like bump into stuff and then like one of them will falter and they will pick it clean so i think that was one of the things that whenever we sold them we'd tell people like put a carbon filter in there to try to keep and like keep up in your water changes because these fish are stressed all the friggin' time. Insane. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I've seen like a um video, like a short video of a piranha. Like somebody just like put in like a little like weenie like in their tank and it just like gobbled it up. Like, like, a, hot like, a, like a hot dog? Yeah, like a hot dog. Okay. It just a weenie swallowed. Dog? <laughs> like... Like a... Josh, you got one you can volunteer. Right? <laughs> I volunteer Rosie. <laughs> just kidding. I would never. <laughs> gonna be an explicit episode but anyways yeah so just like swimming through and it just like gobbled it up <laughs> oh yeah they'll eat anything like for sure like they but like the, i think the 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 most fearsome thing about them is the fact that like they get into this kind of frenzy right where yeah one of them as josh described one of them will just start going and then they all kind of just freak out and just like nom 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 so that's kind of how these guys work but they're insane they're fun but like people get them in the pet trade because they think they're going to be some sort of badass fish. And it's like, no, this fish is just scared all the time. Yeah. Very stressed out. Sounds yeah. Like. <laughs> they're very high strung. They've got a lot, a lot of things on their plate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> got a lot of deadlines. <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand the stress I'm under. Sorry. <laughs> but here's to you, Pranos. Hopefully you get some therapy. Alrighty. And <laughs> with that being said, we are yeah we basically went through all of our scariest fish for this episode we hope you guys enjoyed it if there's any that we didn't mention definitely like let us know um definitely i mean personally i love to learn more about like weird ass fish because i think they're all cute and honestly (laughs) most of them were not that scary like the wolf eel for example like scary looking fish but really cute like a puppy exactly yeah exactly they're just uh you know misunderstood a lot of the time exactly (laughs) yeah 
So hopefully we can spread some awareness about these like fish. But thanks. Thanks, Amber. <laughs> thanks for teaching us all about these fish. Yeah, that was great. Thanks, Amber. All right. I will. I'll wrap us up if that sounds good to you guys. Any last thoughts? All good. We're good. All right. Thanks for listening to Getting Fishy With It. You can find our website with show notes at gettingfishypod.substack.com. You can find us on Twitter at gettingfishypod and on Instagram at gettingfishypod. You can also find us on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching for Getting Fishy With It. If you want to drop us an email, you can send your complaints or questions to gettingfishypod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Our theme music is Best Time by Fast Sounds, and our audio is edited by the talented Amber Park Giadini. We've been getting fishy with it, so keep schooling, my friends, because knowledge is power.